Happy to have you. We're glad you're here. We are excited to be able to spend this time together on a Sunday morning. Uh, nice and warm out there, but it's kind of cool in here, right? I think we cranked up the AC a couple hours ago. So I want to welcome you, especially if you're here for the first time. We just want to let you know that we're glad to have you. Uh, we're happy that you're here. For those of you joining us online, we're also happy to have you join us. And um, if you're new and you don't uh, yet receive our newsletters on Saturday evenings, I would encourage you to go to crosspointchristianchurch.com, scroll all the way down, and you'll find an easy-to-fill contact form. And that'll just give us an opportunity to send you emails, texts every once in a while when something comes up. Those are kind of rare, uh, but definitely emails on a weekly basis to give you all the information, everything that's going on, and uh, some good resources and good information for, for you to be blessed. I'm happy to be here, um, and I'm excited this morning for several reasons. I have a couple of announcements that I want to share with you. So September uh, marks our beginning of our trimester three for 2022 for our growth groups. So. Um, I'm happy to report that there are about 90 people in, in groups. Out of those 90 people, that's a lot more that are here this morning, right? So that's, that's really good. Out of those 90 people, there are several of you that are signed up to different groups. So out of that 90, some of that 90 number are some of you that have signed up to multiple growth groups. And... Um, there's a little bit of a feeling of like, hey, well, you know, maybe you want to stick to one growth group because you want to plug in, you want to grow, you want to connect with a certain group. And when you do multiple groups, well, there's a lot of people to connect with. But then that's also a good thing, right? Uh, so I am saying we're glad that you're signed up to, to more than one group. That's not to say everybody should go sign up to maybe your, your different circumstances in life and you feel like you need that extra boost uh, maybe you're newer here and you want to get to know more people. The point is, I would say, sign up. Not everybody signed up. There's several of you ha that haven't signed up. We have an online option. We have in per most of our groups are in person. Uh, we have a wonderful group of, of women's uh, Bible study slash support group that meets on Fridays. They already started. Uh, there are several groups that meet on Sunday here at church and in Roland Heights. And then on Tuesday, one here in Whittier. Um, online on Wednesday. There's a youth group on Friday nights and a young adults that also meets every other Sunday. This Sunday, we're going to be meeting at my house. So if you have any questions about that, most of you should have gotten a text from me letting you know. But if you're over 18 uh, and around, you know, early 30s or whatever, you would be considered a young adult. We would love to have you over at my place today. We'll have dinner. We'll have a good time. And then we're going to be talking today about some big questions in life, like why are we here? What am I supposed to be doing with my life kind of stuff? So it makes for great conversations and Bible study. So we hope to uh, have you join us. And um, so I'm hoping that that number goes well over 100. And my, my goal, let me be clear, my goal would be that we get to a point where the culture in our church here is that we all adhere to our discipleship process which is come to church on Sunday morning faithfully and then commit to growing on a growth group. So to me, it, it, should, see, it should seem normal for everyone that attends Crosspoint to be part of a growth group. That, that should be just like standard procedure. And I think we're getting there. Uh, these are really great numbers for a congregation our size to have 
the great majority of you signed up for growth groups. Um, some of you may have a really great reason why you, you don't join a growth group, but I don't know what that is. Um, if you have any questions, talk to me about it. Um, sometimes we don't commit because we might miss a couple of times here and there. We might be traveling. I would say don't worry about that. We have three months uh, to explore God's word, to get to know each other. And so if you're going to miss a couple of times, sign up anyway, but really commit uh, to, to growing. And we believe growth groups is the, it's the best way that we can offer you an opportunity to further grow in your walk with the Lord. Um, we, have a, we have some tables outside with all the information, but again, if you have any questions, if you have trouble signing up, if you need help with that, let us know, but, but talk to us about that. All right. Lastly, I'll just mention that there's a leadership training um, conference here at church on the 17th. That's two weeks from yesterday. Uh, we're going to have a continental breakfast, and then we're going to just talk about some leadership development. I'm really excited about that because the elders of our church are committed to not just ourselves continue to grow as leaders, but we want to develop leaders in, in our church and through our church. Um, so we're really excited. We're starting some new classes through um, Grace Community Church. They have an outreach for leaders, and, and so we're going to be taking a, a course together and then, Lord willing, we're going to branch that out and offer that to other people that are interested in, in deepening in their understanding of Scripture, leadership skills, and uh, just willingness to serve. All right. But the 17th, that's for anybody who has any sort of ministry in the church or anybody that is getting involved, wants to get involved, and just see what leading at Crosspoint looks like and should look like. We would invite you to come and join us on the 17th from 8 to 11 a.m. All right, I think that's it for announcements. I would like for us to take communion together, and I want to look at Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. In this portion, the Apostle Paul shares with us some really important truths about Christ our Lord and I want to explore that a little bit in preparation for us to take communion. When we take communion, we are celebrating and proclaiming what Jesus Christ did for us, specifically at the cross of Calvary. If you don't have one of these and you would like to participate, raise your hand and we'll have somebody come by and give you one. And then I'm going to read Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. The word says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Did you catch that? It says, right when God knew it was the right time, he sent forth his son. We read that in John 3, 16, how God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? And here Paul develops that. It says, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. That would be Jesus, our Lord, born of a woman, born under the law, for this purpose, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law. That would be all of us. And to redeem is to buy back with the price. What Jesus did for us at the cross in shedding his blood and giving his life is he was making the payment that you and I owed to God because of our sin. The wages or the payment of sin is death. We owed God that. But Jesus takes our place at the cross of Calvary. He redeems us. He buys us back with his very blood. 
those of us who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Who is a Christian? A Christian is a child of God. Those who have been born of God, those who have been adopted as sons by God. And that could only happen through what this symbolizes. So as you peel back the first layer and you take out the bread, this bread reminds us and it symbolizes the body, the sinless body of our Lord Jesus Christ that was given up on our behalf. Let's take that together. As you peel back the second layer, you see the Jews that represents the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our Lord. That was a very payment for our sin. Let's take that together. Now, if you can and would like, let's go ahead and stand. We're going to sing a new hymn this morning. And this hymn is Come Thou Fount. If we're ready. We ready? Of course we're ready. And we're going to sing, I think it's the whole thing. So let's sing it nice and loud. Come thou fount. Come thou fount of every blessing. Tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. Here I raise my Ebenezer. Here by thy great help I've come, and I hope by thy good pleasure safely to arrive at home. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God, he to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Amen. Gracious Father, we're so grateful for your blessings. Grateful that you came and sought us when we were wandering. And even as your children, we tend to wander and leave the one that we love. Forgive us 
Help us, guide us. Thank you for allowing us the opportunity to be here, gathered as family with a desire to get to know you better, to worship you and recognize you as the only one that is worthy of our love and devotion. We pray for your guidance, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would teach us, that you would break us down, that you would open our understanding, that we would fall in love deeper with you and your word. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. You may have a seat. Sounded like you guys are very familiar with Come Thou Found. Very good. We'll sing that a couple more times the next following weeks. All right, I also want to make sure that everybody has a, a uh, handout to make sure you follow the, the message and then you take it home or you fill it out as we are uh, listening to the message this morning or if you like to just kind of take one and once you get home, that, that'll give you a chance to see how, how much you were able to retain of the message and, and then also an option that you have, which I think is very good, is uh, after Monday or so, Today's message will be online on YouTube, and uh, I would encourage you to kind of go back and maybe listen to the message again if you missed some, or if, and if ever you miss, uh, you have that option as well. And then I'm working with LV, who is awesome, to make sure that we also have that worksheet online for you to, if you're not, if you're not able to make it uh, in person, you could always, you'll be able to download it and have that with you. We have some awesome people helping us here at Crosspoint. Um, one of the things that I'm really excited about that I want you to know is I was going through, I was going to mention this last Sunday, and I don't think I did, so I want to just quickly mention is that I was going through the list of members in our church, and a member, you might have a question like, well, I never filled anything out, or I never signed on the dotted line, I'm not sure if I'm a member. So we, we don't have an official membership um, um, strategy list we our, our list are people that that have that have that are committed to coming on sunday mornings that are signed up to growth groups people that have shown through their actions that they want to be part of this fold of this uh local family and so i'm looking through that list and it's like 200 and something people and um and the great majority as i was going through the list because we we're talking about god's work last week and uh being involved in kingdom work the last couple of weeks so I was really happy as a pastor to see that most people in that list are doing something somewhere here at Crosspoint. Whether it's our AV team, our setup team, our food distribution team, uh, our children's ministry, uh, our elders, our deacons, our office people, our online. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that goes on here, and most of you are involved in something in one way or another. And I'm, I'm, I just wanted to share that. I wanna, I wanna say keep it up. I wanna say if you're not involved in something, find something to do as you serve the Lord and exercise the gifts that he's given you. And if you're thinking like, I don't know what to do, well, talk to myself, talk to any of the elders, talk to your growth group leaders. I assure you that if you have a willingness to serve, there is plenty for, for you to do here at Crosspoint. All right, so thank you all for for. Uh, those of you that are involved in any sort of ministry here at church, just know that, I mean, if not for our collective efforts, we couldn't do what we do here and what gets done. So we're, we're grateful to the Lord for all of you. All right, so <clears throat> let's take a look as we continue our messages here out of Luke. 
Um, it's my honor to be able to look at Luke 9, verses 18 through 22. And I think this morning is going to be a very personal message. The title of this morning's message is, Who Do You Say Jesus Is? Who do you say Jesus is? Never mind your mom, your dad, your brother, sister, spouse, son, daughter. Who do you, who do you say Jesus is? And the reason why I chose that as a title is very much what Jesus told or asked his disciples. So let's take a look at Luke verses 9, sorry, chapter 9, verses 18 through 22. The main point this morning, before we read it, the main point is that we glorify God by having a proper biblical understanding of who Jesus is. And the reason why I think that's important, it might sound very basic to you, but I'll tell you that the great majority of people that are lost are religious individuals who don't have a proper biblical understanding of who Jesus is. Period. It's that easy. I'll say it again. Most people, and I'm talking about billions of people that are alive now around the globe who are not saved is because they don't have a biblical understanding of who Jesus is, or they reject it. If they do have an understanding, they reject it. But most likely is that they don't have a proper biblical understanding of who Jesus is. And so when Jesus asks his disciples, who do you say that I am? That is such an important question for us to take personal, as if the Lord would be standing here asking you, all right, I know what everybody else, I know what everybody else thinks of me, but who do you say that I am? And thus, the title, Who Do You Say Jesus Is? And I really want you to take it to heart. I want you to think about it. I want you to uh, explore this because this is of most importance. I believe our devotion to the Lord, our commitment to Him, our love for Him, our obedience to Him, all depends on who we believe Jesus to be. So if in your life, in your Christian life, you feel stuck, you need to know who Jesus is. If you find yourself wandering from the fold of God and from Him, it's because you don't have a good understanding of who Jesus is. And I'll say that Jesus, our Lord, in John 17, 3, speaking to the Father, He says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Knowing God, knowing Christ is of most importance, not just for our salvation, but also for our daily living. And what an honor to be able to be lifelong learners of who Jesus is. You're never going to figure him out. You're never going to know him completely. It's going to be a process for the rest of your life, but it is an exciting one. So let me read Luke 9, verses 18 through 22, and then we'll have three points that I want to share with all of you. Eighteen through twenty-two, and it happened as Jesus was alone praying that his disciples joined him, and he asked them, saying, "Who do the crowds say that I am?" So they answered and said, "John the Baptist." But some say Elijah, and others say that one of the old prophets that has risen again. He said to them, "But who do you say that I am?" Peter answered and said the Christ of God. And Jesus strictly warned and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, 
the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised in the third day. We'll get a little more into that next week. But here we have the Lord asking a supremely important question. And let me warn us against a very cookie-cutter answer that maybe many of us, like myself, learned from long ago as a child. And we have maybe a, like a quick response as to who Jesus is. But I would love for us to really meditate on this question. Who do you say Jesus is? And does that reflect in your life? I didn't think I was going to share this, but I feel compelled to share this. I was uh, watching, I don't know, uh, I saw a video, and this, this guy was saying, it was very convicting. He says, imagine that God was not the priority of your life, and instead you chose to make everything else in your life the priority of your life, and you would leave God aside. Then he asked, how would your life change? Did you catch that? Let me say it again. As Christians, we were almost trained, conditioned to say, God is at the center of my life. I live for Jesus. Don't you know the hymn? Living for Jesus. And we may even believe it and convince that that is the case. But he says, okay, let's just imagine that, that you're not a good Christian. Let's just imagine that God is not at the center of your life, that, that he doesn't drive your decisions and everything else, but instead you make everything else your idol except God. How will your life change? And if you're thinking, well, to be honest with you, it wouldn't change a lot. You know what that's saying is that then it doesn't matter what we say that Jesus is for us when in fact our life is already showing that Jesus is not at the center of our lives and in fact everything else takes priority in our lives. Very convicting. The reason why I say that is because who we believe Jesus to be is not a mental exercise for us. It's a spiritual one and it's a practical one. So let's explore that. Who do you say Jesus is? Luke 9, 18 through 22, we already said that the main point is that we glorify God by having a proper biblical understanding of who Jesus is. So let me, let me just kind of break down this portion here. So it says, it happens that as he, Jesus, was alone, as he often did, I mean, he was always surrounded by crowds who wanted a piece of him. They wanted a miracle. They wanted a sign. Uh, they wanted to hear his words. And every once in a while, he would depart from everyone and just want to spend time by himself, kind of re-energize physically because he was completely human, 100% human. And he says that, that, the, that his disciples joined him and then he asked them a, a very important question. Who do the crowd say that I am? See, the Lord understood that the crowd was going to have a different opinion about who he was than his disciples. And then every disciple individually would have probably a different opinion about Jesus' identity. And so he asked the crowd, who do you, who do the, you guys know the crowd. You hang around with them. Who does the crowd say that I am? And immediately it seemed like they had a good grip on who the crowd believed Jesus to be. And they say, well, many of them think that you're John the Baptist. And that seems, we've read some of that before. We're going to see some more of that. That seems to be, that seemed to be a very popular answer. They thought, you know, 
by this time, Jesus, had, uh, John had been beheaded, and he was very popular in Israel, John was. And so when Jesus comes, sort of in that spirit, uh, they assume that maybe John came back. So superstitious, uh, just not understanding who Jesus was. So they say, the crowd thinks that, a lot, of, a lot of them think that you're John the Baptist, or some think that you're Elijah, which was a, an outstanding Old Testament prophet for Israel. And others say that one of the old prophets has risen again. And it's interesting, right? Because the crowds, that's a lot of people that are following the Lord. And it seems like nobody had the right answer as to the identity of Jesus. And I think that's important to understand. Because as you look around with the people that you know, hopefully outside of church, you're going to realize that this is the most important question, who Jesus is. I was listening to Vodi Bakum the other day, and he says, look, for, for most religions out there, they're okay with your Jesus as long as your Jesus is just a prophet or a good moral teacher. Like most religions are okay with teaching Jesus as a good man, an outstanding man. Oh, boy. But the minute you say that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, the very eternal God himself in the flesh, you're going to have all kinds of problems. All kinds of problems. And if you study the world religions, most of them are okay. They accept Jesus as a prophet. They accept Jesus as a teacher. A lot of great stuff they'll say. Great guy, but not God. I listened to Dennis Prager say it himself. I don't know if you guys know who Dennis Prager is. I think one of the greatest thinkers of our time, conservative individual. He's a Jew, and the reason why he's not a Christian, he said it himself, is because he believes Jesus to be the Christ, the Messiah. He's okay with that, but he's not okay with his claim to be God. You pay attention to that, you're going to start seeing that. Everybody's okay with Jesus as long as he's not Lord over all. As long as he's not the king of the universe, because then we have problems. And yet, who do you say Jesus is? I want you to be aware of that. So, let me finish up right here. So they answered, and then Jesus in verse 20 says, then he says to them, but who do you say that I am? All right, guys, it's great that you know who everybody else thinks that I am, but who do you say that I am? He brings it home to his disciples. And then Peter speaks up, and he says, you are God's Christ. You are the Christ of God. Um, what I would encourage you to do, and I do this, I think, almost every Sunday, is <clears throat> I, I would love for you to look at the same account in the different Gospels because it gives you, like, really better understanding of what was going on. And what I did on the worksheet for you is that on the top, I went ahead and I wrote the, in Matthew 16 and how in Mark 8, the verses where you'll find the same account of Jesus speaking to his disciples and asking him, who does the crowd say that I am and who do you say that I am? Um, but we'll, we'll, st we'll stick to this account because we could go all over the place with, with especially with what, how Matthew presents it. But here Peter responds and says, the Christ of God and we could go into that, what that means, um, and maybe I'll share with you a little bit about that in a bit. He says, you are Christ, the Christ of God, and then Jesus does something that may seem pretty strange to us. He strictly warns his disciples, and he commands them to tell this to no one. 
saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised in the third day. This is interesting. We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. But the Lord on several occasions foretold his death, his rejection, his death, and his resurrection. And yet, when it happened, the disciples ran. They were scared. They didn't believe. Even when, when the women came back and said, Jesus is risen, they're like, oh, you think you're crazy? It's, it's just interesting. And it tells me that a lot of what we hear from the word even, and we think we believe, when it comes down to it, we realize, maybe I didn't quite really believe that. So it, it's just interesting. So here's what I want to do. Of most importance, who is Jesus to you? What is your opinion of his identity? And this is really, hopefully this is just a, a sermon that will get you on the path of really considering who Jesus is in your life and what are the implications of that. I think that will be super valuable, much more than just listening to a message and just leaving it here, is I would love for you to leave here encouraged and challenged, asking yourself, who is Jesus? Who do I say Jesus is? So what I want to do this morning is um, answer the following or filling, fill in the following phrase. According to the Bible, Jesus is. And I want to share three things, a little Christology here, a little studying about the Lord. We saw the account, but I want to share with you, according to the Bible, Jesus is, point number one, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. Now, let me quickly say, most of you know this, but Messiah and Christ is the exact same word. It's the anointed one, the one that was expected and prophesied from the very beginning all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, that one day one would come, an expected deliverer of Israel from the beginning, from Adam's time, and of course certainly through Israel, a descendant of David, one like Moses. All that good stuff encompasses who the Messiah or the Christ is. Christ is a translated word into English from the Greek. Messiah is the same root word, but it's the English word tr translated from Hebrew. Messiah for, from the Hebrew, Christ from the Greek, but the very same word. And so, according to the Bible, Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel. Let me share a couple of verses. Luke 9.20 where uh, Jesus said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answers and says, the Christ of God. He identifies Jesus as the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah. And in Luke, I'm sorry, in Matthew especially, Jesus turns to him and says, like, good job, uh, Peter. And then he says, you know, but flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father in heaven. But you're right. That answer didn't quite come from you. You have that answer because my Father gave it to you through revelation, but you're right. And so here we have Peter and confirmed by Jesus himself that Jesus is indeed the Christ, the long-awaited Messiah for Israel. In Luke chapter 2, verse 11, uh, I like the idea of kind of sticking to Luke as much as possible. We've read this already. In Luke 2, 11, it says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. These are the angels telling the shepherds, and so the angels that are in the presence of God come and tell the shepherds, Christ is born today. 
And then in Acts chapter 5, verse 42, super interesting section, uh, but I'll just stick to this. It says, And daily in the temple and in every house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. The early church understood who Jesus was. They dealt mainly with Jews, and so they taught Jesus as the Christ, the long-awaited Redeemer of Israel. I want to share with you and, 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 uh, something that I got from a Bible dictionary. And I'll make it quick. It's a big section, but I'm just going to tell you this last portion. It says, to believe that Jesus is the Christ is to believe that he is the anointed, the Messiah of the prophets, the Savior sent of God, that he was in a word that he claimed to be, what he claimed to be. This is to believe the gospel by faith of which alone men can be brought unto God, that Jesus is the Christ, is a testimony of God, and the faith of this constitutes a Christian can't be a Christian and not believe that Jesus is the Christ. And there's a lot more to say about that, but it goes on to talk about what I mentioned earlier, which is Moses says, God is going to raise a prophet like me. Him you will hear. Uh, of David, it says that there will, there will be one from him that, and whose rule shall be forever. Uh, in Genesis 3, it says that, uh, that he would come, the seed of the woman would come and defeat uh, the enemy. All of those are statements about the coming Redeemer, the coming Savior, the Christ, the Anointed One. Um, why anointed? Uh, in the Old Testament, you would have uh, three official positions by which they would be anointed. Uh, that would be the priests, the kings, and prophets would be anointed. And Jesus fulfills all of those three himself. He is the ultimate anointed one. So, point number one, he is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel, the Christ of Israel. That's who Jesus is. Point number two, according to the Bible, Jesus is also the eternal God who became a man. Very important. He is the eternal God who became a man. Uh, if we're just kind of getting started understanding about God, we may think that Jesus' life and maybe essence began 2,000 years ago when he was born of Mary as a virgin. That would be incorrect, right? Uh, Jesus is the eternal God. In Luke chapter 1, verses 30 through 33, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Obviously, this is an, uh, a statement about Jesus being the Christ, the Son of God, God in the flesh, being of the same essence of God, being a descendant of David a thousand years later, and saying his king of his kingdom, there will be no end. All of this speaking about the fact that he would be also, he would be conceived by the Holy Spirit. Never have you had a human dad. In John 1.14, if you know, if you're familiar with the gospel according to John, John 1.1 starts by saying, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. 
And then in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You put that section together, and you realize that he that became flesh, the word of God, is God himself, and he became flesh. So the eternal, holy, and perfect creator God becomes flesh and they call his name Jesus. So even though Jesus was born as a baby 2,000 years ago, he has existed always. He has always been. He is the eternal God who became a man. And then 1 Timothy 3.16 is a great verse. It says that without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God, would, God was manifested in the flesh. That's as plain as it gets. God was manifested in the flesh justified in the Spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up in glory. Clearly speaking of Jesus and Paul saying God was manifested in the flesh. So according to the Bible, Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah of Israel, and he's also the eternal God who became a man. And these are some of the truths that people do not understand or don't know. And then point number three, according to the Bible, Jesus is the only Savior of the world. Some of these verses are familiar to you. John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. Exclusive. Galatians 3.13 says that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Christ redeems us. He's the only one that has taken our place. He hung on that cross for us. And then Acts 4.12, it says that there is no other name, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Speaking of Jesus, the apostles taught there is salvation nowhere else except through Jesus. You know that in, this, in, our, in our culture, this is very controversial. How dare you be so close-minded, right? How could you possibly say that all these religious millions and billions of people around the world are not saved because they don't believe in your Jesus? But that is exactly right. That is exactly right. And either that's true or Jesus is a liar. I had a coworker who, sitting around during lunch, said, I believe Jesus is a prophet. I believe he's a great moral teacher, but I don't believe he's God. Beloved, you have to come personally to grips with the fact that Jesus is the long-awaited Messiah. You have to come to grips with the fact that he is the eternal God who became a man. And you have to grip, come to grips with the fact that he is the only savior of this world. That outside of him, there is no hope for anyone. Not in your morality. Doesn't matter how good you are, you will never earn God's favor. It is only through Jesus' redeeming and atoning sacrifice at the cross his substitutionary death at the cross for you, he took your place. 
And he takes his righteousness and gives it to you as he takes on your sin, the sin of the world. That's amazing. That's the gospel message, that we're all sinners. All of us are lost and without hope. Doesn't matter how hard you try and how sincere you are in trying, you will never achieve justification through works. It is only by faith. We can only stand before a holy and perfect God by what Jesus did for us at the cross. And so who do you say Jesus is? And I pray that your answer would be something like Thomas's answer. Right? Thomas wasn't there when the Lord first appeared to his disciples, but he was there the week after. And after Thomas had said, well, unless I put my fingers here and I put my hand on his side, I'm not going to believe. And Jesus says, hey, Tom, how are you doing? I'm glad you made it this week. Hey, put your finger right here and take your hand and put it right here on my side. I don't want you to be an unbeliever. And Thomas falls to his knees and says, my Lord and my God. That is who Jesus is. And that has tremendous implications as to how we live our lives. May the Lord bless his word. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this beautiful morning. We're grateful for allowing us to gather. I thank you for all my brothers and sisters who are here. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for this message. Father, you sent your son to take our place at the cross. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And Lord Jesus, help us to have a better understanding of who you are. And that's why I'm grateful that, that we're here this morning. I pray that it's with the intent to get to know you better through your word. And Holy Spirit, we know that our understanding of you and our Lord Jesus and God our Father will only come through you opening our understanding and helping us understand the spiritual things. But we're grateful to be in this position, to have this opportunity. So we pray that as we dismiss, that you would dismiss us with your blessing and that we would go out with the resolve of wanting to know you better and really come to grips with the fact that you are, Lord Jesus, who you said you were and who you proved to be, our God and our Savior and our Lord overall. We thank you. We ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. God bless you, beloved. You are dismissed. Come by the growth group tables. We'll see you out there with your questions. God bless you.